This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Leadership Platform, Multiplying Leaders, Moving Society. I'm Adrian Grunewald, as always. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. We're sitting in this beautiful discovery building, and in a moment you'll find out why. For all things leadership, go to leadershipplatform.com, one word, two Ps in the middle. And with me today is my partner, Roger Sitole. We founded Think Lead, which is very exciting, uh, taking leadership to the next level. And our first offering, of course, is the Leadership Platform app, which you'll find out about more and more as we go along. Roger, it's good to have you. Yeah, thank you very much, Adrian. It's great to be here. You're no stranger to this building. I mean, it's a lovely building you've been here before. Not at all. It, it's a gorgeous-looking building, and I'm sure uh, the gentleman that we'll be chatting to is very proud of uh, what they've done and uh, having such a marvelous uh, piece of art uh, in the middle of this beautiful place. Yeah, it's lovely. Well, today our Leadership Masterclass starts with a what we will refer to as BLSA Authentic, and that's, of course, Business Leadership South Africa, Authentic Leadership Conversation Series. What it really means is we're going to be interviewing, having conversations, leadership conversations with CEOs of the BLSA. And this will, of course, populate our app, our leadership app, with the best possible content. So the first leader, and if I tried actually to get Adrian Gore to be my first leader to do this because uh, I've met him a few times over the years. And, and, and that was kind of my choice to say, I want to get him in first. And we've done that. So we've got Adrian Gore, founder of Discovery Group and board member of BLSA. Welcome, Adrian. Good to be with you in your, on your turf. It's a great pleasure. Really, is a great pleasure. Building going well. I mean, you moved in very recently, and everything going on, going well. Yeah, it's going remarkably well. Uh, I think the the receptivity to it. You know, we're concerned of this grandiose building appearing, you know, out of the blue on the scale. You know, you know what I'm saying? But it's actually come out as a kind of a landmark, and the. The, the feedback we got from people has been, uh, I mean, it's anecdotal, but it's been, you know, proud, looks great. It's an investment in the country, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been a wonderful thing. And our people are remarkably happy. They feel cared for. I think it's going to do great things for us. Adrian Gore, before we <coughs> interview you or have a conversation with you on leadership and leadership issues in the country and, and a little bit about your life, we're first going to run a short recording of BLSA CEO Bonang Mohale uh, sharing the vision of BLSA. My name is Bonang Mohale. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Business Leadership South Africa. Our reason for existence, and indeed the architecture, is to look at prosperity for all by partnering with all the social partners to ensure that we attain this notion of inclusive economic growth in our lifetime. We have just launched a new BLSA strategy that rests on three legs. The first leg is indeed straight out of the NDP 2030, inclusive economic growth and transformation. The second leg is the protection of our key institutions. The last is how then do we position business as a national asset. So we hear from that strategy that the new BLSA is really making as its core mandate and focus the business, the environment, but also ensuring that we regain our voice. Business genuinely believes in South Africa. It genuinely believes in the future of this magnificent, wonderful country. It genuinely believes um, in giving effect 
to the South Africa of Kholisasa, Nelson Mandela's dreams. And in that, I'm really representing the thoughts, the wishes, the aspirations of the 80 strong CEOs who are our council and indeed that board that in this time, in this country, in this context, when so many of our people dare to hope that joy and peace will prevail, business ought to play its role, especially in creating jobs, in investing in black senior executives, in investing in small and medium enterprises, but also in investing uh, in our communities, and most importantly, in combating and defeating state capture, because this is the single most challenge we face as a people with great natural endowments. My name is Bonang Mohale. I am the CEO of Business Leadership South Africa. Thank you. Adrian Gore, it's uh, great to have you with us. Um, your, just your thoughts quickly on how BLSA have been doing of late. They seem to have come out of obscurity a little bit. I mean, they were never dead quiet, but I, I mean, with Bonang Mohale and the CEOs, everyone bolder than usual. Just a quick you know, wrap-up of what you think of what they're doing. I think, listen, uh, uh, not to take credit as a board member, I mean, to the leadership, the chairman and, and Bonang, uh, I think they've done unbelievably well. I think it was a, not a talk shop, but I think it was an internally focused business forum prior to to this change. Uh, I think the events in the country created a kind of a, a pressure cooker for activity and action and standing up. And I think, I must say, I think BLS and business came to the party, you know, being bold, saying things, standing up for... I think it's right and good, uh, beyond their self-interest, I think. Um, so credit to BLSA, I, I think they've done a great job. That's my sense. Business been a bit quiet over the last decade or so. I mean, here and there you had some leaders try and uh, sort of um, push their heads out of the holes or something, yeah. but, but that may have changed for good. Listen, I think it has changed for good. I think that the probably the history, the legacy of apartheid is I think business learned to operate in a silo, you know, in its own self-interest and, and not bad. I think I think a force for good, but not interacting necessarily with civil society and government to the same extent. I think the last decade or so that's probably changed, and then the, the state capture threat, the sense that the country was really on the edge of a precipice, created a a, a a sense of pressure and activity and businesses and people willing to do things way beyond, you know, what you'd ever expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pressure just led to the most, you know, the, the, the CO initiative, which is not, not BLSA, but I've been heavily involved, was called together by, by Praveen Gordon, you know, yeah. of 60 CEOs in a room. And, you know, kind of, I remember someone calling me after and saying, listen, this is a moment in time. If we don't act, the country could fail, you know. It just created a... What's the word? An urgency, a pressure, uh, a bias for action. And uh, look, I hope it will continue. My sense is when things get better, and they are, people go back to their offices and do their thing, you know. But I I do think business has changed for Mm. good. I think the leadership of BLSA today is a very different set of people, a different set of commitment around things other than just business. So I I do think it's good. Rogers, I mean, you're you're our partner, but you also have your own business, successful business that you've built. You're an entrepreneur like Adrian. Um, when a smaller business owner looks at the CEOs of some of the largest companies speaking up, does, do you think that does something for the entire business community? Or do we just see them as they're kind of on their own hill doing their own thing? No, absolutely. I mean, um, there are two aspects to it. Um, and then Adrian is alluding to it that 
conversation or speaking it's one aspect um keeping quiet it's another thing but speaking as well it's 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 another aspect of it i think what's more important is the action thereafter uh, to support uh, uh, um what 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 the leader is is, is uh, the leaders are saying i mean we saw uh, in, in alexander when the leaders came together from a blsa perspective to say we're signing and we're making a pledge with the country uh, that is that as business this is what we're going to be doing and that that is that's an it's a statement of intent it's not just uh, speaking, but they had specific items that they have identified that they were going to be speaking and driving uh, to ensure that we do not let a country that we all love, uh, you know, go go down the the drain and and, and not say anything as, as as leaders in the in the country. And as a, as a as a budding entrepreneur, as as a, as a, a, a person who owns a business, you know, we look into that and we say, look, we SMMEs in the country today are required quite a lot to 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 provide an aspect. Uh, from an economy point of view, that's key, and we need to take uh, uh, leadership, at least, uh, or guidance uh, from uh, mm. gentlemen like Adrian and the rest of the people that are, are quite interested and are keen to to speak and, and and say we can drive our country forward uh, to a place where we're all going to be proud of. Adrian, what I like is there was an energy at Alexandra, Alexandra that launch, and often it's, it's very easy to put together an energetic launch, isn't it? But then to keep that energy going with a ball of energy like Bonang and his team. I mean, that's what I like. Uh, that energy has continued, Absolutely. and the vision, everything keeps rolling over, and it's yeah. in the media. I, I like that. That, yeah. that tells me there's commitment. It tells me the board is on board. All 80 CEOs are there, and there's, yeah, the best word I can describe it with is energy. You know, something just to maybe sound paradoxical. It, it's not, I think, BLSA's, to my mind, breakthrough in this process was not about people seeing business in a good light. I think the truth of it is, Business is just people like everyone else. You know, we all have the same common interest in inclusive growth, prosperity, job creation, uh, a country that's successful. And I think that process stripped away the veneer of hierarchy and institutions and buildings and nonsense and said, listen, we st- we're all the same here. We care about our country. And I found in that process, talking across lines to unions and whatever, we all got the same interests, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's beyond just business behaving in a different way. I think it's more kind of a democratization of like a hierarchy that we all have an interest in building the country. And I think that energy is authentic. Meetings, I can tell you, meetings through BLSA, through that process, were captivating. You know, people sitting, you hear a pin drop of the, you, you know, that intent and that energy. If we can keep that going to build, it will be remarkable. Maybe, I don't know if I'm right here, maybe business represents people rather than people represent business. Know what Absolutely. I mean? Almost. Absolutely. Almost well, that's a different emphasis. Hundred percent. I think that's the truth. And when I think the chips are down and you're really facing danger, the counterfeits of institutions and hierarchies disappear, and you're left with just people, <laughs> mm. all of the same level, all of the same concerns, mm. worried about how we're going to make things work for our children, for our families, for you know, mm. for the vulnerable, etc. So I agree with you. I think that emphasis. I think that change of emphasis is what that energy was about. Mm. I think. Yeah, and we're feeling it. Adrian, this is the leadership platform. So we're just going to spend a few minutes to talk to you about leadership. Uh, we want you to share a couple of statements that to you best describe authentic leadership. We're hoping that this platform that we're creating will, I don't know, bring us back to that authentic leadership culture that we all tasted at, at one period of time. Uh, I know there's a great emphasis again this year from our new president of the country and others to bring back that spirit of leadership and one senses a bit of that. Uh, so, so in the next few minutes we'll do that. Then we'll go to a broader conversation, challenges in our society. So, so let's take it one statement at a time. You know, the statements that to you best describe authentic leadership would be what? 
I don't know. My gut feel is, my sense, strong sense is purpose. I mean, if you don't have a purpose, it's virtuous. Why are you leading? <laughs> it can only be for self-interest, which is not authentic, I think. You, you know what I mean? So it's just at its purest intellectual level to me, if you don't have a, a purpose that is in itself authentic and good and virtuous, then your leadership flowing from that is inauthentic. So what is it? For what purpose is it then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm. else why are you leading? You know. So kind of in the kind of you know, by intellectual exclusion, if you don't have a purpose, I think your leadership is not authentic. You know. Sure. So to me, I guess that's the most. I think the most important thing. I think that, and I think you see different kinds of leaders with purposes that are authentic, are effective with different styles. You know. Then the leadership is not by rote, by rules, by, you know, some. St- you know, you know, puffing your chest up. It's more about authenticity, and it manifests in how you are. You know, as a leader, um, I'd probably say also values-based. You know, mm. to me that framework. We built our business on that framework of, of purpose values. The rest then let people interpret in their own mm. authentic way. But if you get that architecture right, I think things follow. So, I would say to you that authentic leadership is about purpose. If you don't have a purpose, I don't think you should be leading, frankly. Mm. You then you're a manager. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's, I'm not sure it's leadership. Okay, so before we go to the second one, which I think is values-based, purpose. Maybe I read between the lines what you're saying, and, and that's got me thinking that different styles will always be there. Every leader will lead differently according to my personality and my character. And there are as many leaders as there are people on this planet in their own right. So we're all unique, different, and complex. But if I have a strong purpose... Even if my style is autocratic, which is not ideal, you can get quite far because, because you're driving a purpose that people rally behind. Hopefully, eventually, you can start polishing your, your way with people and all the other nice things that we like talking about. But, but that sense of purpose can almost hide a lot of mistakes and weaknesses in a way. I think completely. I think if, if the purpose is authentic, your own style, I'm not suggesting you can or should be abusive or autocratic, mm. but it doesn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? If you're getting people, you just might be less effective in getting into that purpose. Mm. But I agree fully with you. If the purpose is authentic and virtuous, then your style doesn't matter. And if you're autocrat... People might forgive you sometimes. Yeah, they might find elements of that that is, has value. You know, I don't know. Mm. I'm a great believer. You kind of are what you are. You know, you, some people are autocratic. They're hierarchical. May not be the most effective. It could be effective with different cultures, with different levels of people, with knowledge workers. I don't know. I have my own style. But I'm... I judge someone by the purpose and the authenticity and commitment to that purpose. Okay. Nice one, Roger. I wanted to jump in. So how do you, I mean, peppers will be, you as a leader having that specific peppers uh, that drives you as a leader. How do you get your, uh, the followers or your employees that, that look up, up to you as a leader, how do you get them to buy into the peppers that you have? How do you get them to have the same peppers? How do you drive that peppers into them almost to own uh, uh, that same peppers? Well, I think that's, uh, firstly, I think if the, if the purpose is authentic and powerful, I don't think it takes much. People buy into this stuff. It's not rocket science. It's, it's more whether they believe you are authentic in the context of that purpose. You know what I'm trying to say to you? Yeah. But our purpose is make people healthier. Sure. I mean, it's a simple thing. Everyone gets it. Do they believe you really mean it is the, is the question. Yes. If they believe we mean it, uh, it's the easiest thing in the world, uh, you know. Um, I'll tell you something that I found with our people leading them. It's in a business context. I'm not sure leadership always is, but I found that our people find the purpose much more important than the financial metrics. In fact, I found people are, I don't think people 
generally care about earnings per share, that they're annoyed by it. It's like that's for shareholders. You know, kind of that's what they're getting. They shouldn't be getting it. Even you know what I'm saying? There's no there's no virtue in that. So if you, I think if the purpose is authentic and you are authentic in the context of that, I think people get it immediately. I don't. I, it's not a particularly complicated thing. I think. Yeah. Hope I'm not simplifying that. If something. it's real. If it's real, I yeah. think the issue is: is it real? Is it authentic? Is it, is it real? Mm. Yeah, and then, then in the, the kind of people you employ and all those things will matter, I guess. But all they naturally align with that purpose. Um, yeah, I mean, the, that's leadership, Adrian, is keeping it simple. We, we, we have become fairly complex in our society yeah. with books, more books and articles and content on leadership than ever before in the history of the world, yet we seem to be in a bit of a bigger mess in many respects. In other respects, maybe not. Um, okay, uh, the, the value. So, so the second uh, principle or statement that to you describe authentic leadership is values driven tell us a little bit more about that well i think the values maybe this may be a, this may be incorrect but in my own mind the values almost a how you know what i'm saying you've got a purpose and the, the rules of the game how you're going to get there what's important to you in that in that in that journey and i do think that values you know it may an autocratic style that's abusive or that undermines people could be a violation of the values not the purpose mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But to an extent, if you've got a set of values underpinning the purpose, and the values aren't rules, they're not, you know, they're not detailed issues. They values of prudence, of honesty, you know, those kind of things. If, again, if they're authentic, then I think the whole process, that whole architecture facilitates, facilitates a leadership style that I think gets you to the purpose. And I think the people you're leading, going on a journey, it's all different for all people. I don't know about you. I don't like an automaton process. Everyone looks the same. They feel the same. People go on the journey with you in their own ways. They'll disagree, they'll fight, but as long as we are heading to the purpose in the context of values, I think you get a great result. Mm. You know, that's been my experience. We were lucky, I'm not quite sure, early on in the business to, to define a purpose in a set of values. We've never changed it. We've changed the ambition and the goals, but not the, that architecture. And I'm amazed how more intense it's become as a group has got stronger, uh, bigger, and I'm amazed how many people fight about the meaning of the values, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not, they're not, these are not detailed things, they're conceptual things. So I, I, I think if you get those two things right, then leadership actually, I think, tends to be quite easy, I think. So, so, so a bit of devil's advocate, if, if, if the purpose is a healthier society or driving health into society, uh, as an example, and the CEO is authentically behind that, you, you look at the CEO and you can see, like you, fit, uh, look after himself. He's really into health. Uh, I don't know if you met the USN CEO, the guy who started USN. Right. Also, you know, Amazing. I think about Absolutely. fitness himself. So you, 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 you portray that and then your values come. And after reading the values, it doesn't necessarily neutralize an autocratic type style. No. So I'm authentic about my, my purpose. The values, I live them. And there's no value that says you're not allowed to be autocratic. Then uh, maybe the culture allows for some of that. Uh, are you saying that's where it should Balance it out or not necessarily yet. You could have other things in place that sort of um, neutralize that style. It's not, I hope I don't sound simplistic or, you know, or offensive. I, I'm not an autocratic leader, but I'm not sure it doesn't get good results in certain contexts as long as it doesn't undermine the values, as long as it's not abusive. Mm. You are going to get people who are hierarchical, who like a top-down decree style. We've got a lot of those people that are highly effective. My gut, they could be more effective if they weren't, mm. but that's, that's their journey they've got to find their way and to an extent I'm often you know in our, when I speak to our people they often tell me I work for someone who violates these values how can it happen and to an extent my pushback is I know we may have failed we have a leader there who's not living our values 
But the values are that you've got to figure out how to work around it. You know what I'm trying to say? You as an individual, surely, mm. can't be confined by some individual who's having their way over you. I mean, the whole, whole, our whole style of values is you've got to bring out the best in yourself. That's not by permission of some manager or leader. It's mm. a ludicrously subservient mindset. You know what I'm trying to say to you? Okay. But I, I kind of agree with you. I, I don't I, – I feel that people have their own style. They have to go on their own journey of development. I don't think you should be cutting out any one style unless it's a violation okay. of values. You've got autocratic, you've got hierarchical, and you've got abusive. I mean, you, 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 I That's s- different. I, I see you keep saying, well, you can be, for lack of a better word, autocratic or hierarchical, but you don't have to be abusive. Absolutely. So I, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Abusive is wrong. That you mm. must take action. That yeah, can't you, be you can't make yeah. that look good. Roger, comments on the values one? Before, if Adrian's got another statement that describes authentic leadership? No, um, I mean, that, that's a key uh, component. Um, if, if, if there are no values, and this brings me, I guess we're going to be discussing this later on. I would like to, to, to get Adrian's uh, view as to how can those two statements that he has made, how can they play a role within our community, societies, the country in general? How can we look into those and, and use that as a framework uh, that drives us uh, to success as a country, as communities, as individuals? How can we utilize those two statements? I'm, I'm very interested uh, to yeah. hear what his thoughts are in, on that. You're again. right. Let's come with that just now. That's yeah. a very good point. I mean, do we have a strong sense of purpose in the country, yeah. uh, the values, maybe our constitution, and so we can have a conversation around that. Yeah. Adrian, any other statements that describe to you what authentic leadership is? Well, just I'm not sure how this fits in that, like, get to, to, to the point you're raising, Rogers, but the, the um, issue of vision. Vision, I guess, comes is a, is a is a consequence of the purpose. You know what I mean? Make people healthy is a purpose. What's the vision? You know how big, when? How, you know maybe that's more an ambition. But I do think this may be the art of leadership rather than authenticity. Uh, you know, I know you've got a got a deep knowledge of this more than me, but my gut of this is the the maybe the art of leadership. But setting a vision is a critical thing, I think, in leadership. So if you can take that purpose and Translated into a vision that's authentic, that that is virtuous. If you see as a force for good, I think it's easier to lead. I have, I mean, I'm critical of our leadership in the country because I think that's what we miss. You know, there's never been a vision. There's been values. I think the Rainbow Nation in the early was kind of a, I think, a fantastic sense of what we stand for. You know, but there's never been a vision. I think without vision, people are insecure. Mm. I think without a time frame, without a where we're heading, you know. Um, so if you get a chance to talk about the country, I've got, I've got very strong feelings about that. I think that's, yeah. that's an opportunity for us. I mean, the National Development Plan has this long poetic vision statement, which is more poem than anything else. And I've always been quite critical of that, saying beautifully written, a lot of effort's gone into it. But, hey, let's just have a simple vision that ordinary folk can just buy into. Yeah. And maybe that'll come into being now if we have another national discourse in the I near future. I hope we do. I think the National Development Plan is, is a business plan. It's like an earnings per share. Those, those are critical things we've got to do, and yeah. I, I think it's a very well-crafted thing, and we should work through it. But I, I think that's not the vision. Yeah. I think the vision is more, um, you know, by 2030, we're going to be a country bigger and better. You know, sure. Something that people say, mm. Choose, I'm, I'm excited I'm here. The top tourist yeah. country in the world. Yeah. yeah something simple. That you know, I remember w- reading, I think, in the FT years ago, South Africa will be bigger than Italy by this. I thought, gee, that, that excites me. No, I can buy into that. It gives me a time frame, a sense of security, you know what I'm trying to say to you? Yeah. But getting the GDP to grow at 5% here sounds like a threat. doesn't sound like, sounds like earnings per share to me. I don't believe mm. that to, to a person on the street, 
That is something inspiring. It feels like, geez, you're not going to get there. This is trouble. What if we fail? So I kind of feel the art of, I think, authentic leadership is the ability to, to create a vision out of a purpose, I think. I think it's critical, I think. I remember interviewing President Zuma alone in his home a few years ago and trying to get him as an individual to share with me the vision of the country. I, I honestly couldn't. I mean, I, I didn't get it out of him. He kept referring back to the ANC and he talked around the ANC, this and that. But somehow I didn't feel inspired. And I remember walking away there thinking, that's what we need. We need a leader who yeah. can just craft that simple vision. Of course, fairly united and so on. On, on that, uh, just, just to ask, I mean, as, as a leader, I would like to think of a vision as um, if, if you're in a tunnel, you, you're that person that holds the light in front and everybody can see that light and you keep moving forward as the team uh, keeps moving because your vision, I don't believe, can be static for eternity. Um, how, how, how do you as a leader keep ensuring that the vision is clear uh, to the rest of the people that are following and also that you, know, you keep, if, if the vision is achieved or met, how do you keep uh, changing it and, and, be, uh, and introducing a new aspect and dimensions to it? So, so we, we formed this 2018 ambition four years ago, 2013. It's a five-year ambition. Be the best insurer globally. Mm. I mean, it's idiotic to say that. It's almost infantile. You know what I'm saying? I want to be the best fireman, you know, when you're a little kid yeah. kind of thing. But we actually articulated that incredibly accurately in three dimensions, kind of foundations, so people, values, brand, and then the science of our shared value model, all the attributes of it, how it manifests in the businesses in five dimensions, and then impact, return on capital, you know, the kind of the stuff that stakeholders want, return on capital, growth in earnings, number of customers, uh, operating profits. So it was like a building block, foundation, businesses, impact. Our board is articulated. I can't tell you the amount of trouble it got me into. I'm saying just perceptually, no CEO of a listed company says five years out, this is what we're going to do. I mean, it's like, putting a, it's like throwing a, a rope over a tree they hang to stand next to you, they're <laughs> going to hang you from. <laughs> I'm trying to say. The regulators also asked, are we going to be taking inappropriate risks? Because why are you saying this, whatever? But I cannot tell you how powerful that has been for us. In our presentation now, we showed, I'm not sure we're going to get there. It's a, you know, but it doesn't matter. You know? we, we are, and amazing, I think we, we are close to getting to all of those things. But the amazing thing is, RP, you, if you go on our floor and ask, people all know the, the vision, the 2018 ambition. They all keep asking me, will we make it? And the most powerful thing for us, and we know the power of loss aversion, you know, from behavioral economics. As soon as you set a goal, you've got something to lose. Mm. As soon as you say, I'm going to do that, that you know, evokes loss aversion. Sure. It's much safer not to have a goal. You've got nothing to lose. Mm. Yeah. So we've been freaked out for five years about this ambition. And I, we did an analysis now of where we were and we set it to where we are now. It is remarkable. I don't think it's you know, our leadership brilliance. It's not. It was simply putting out there a a tangible set of, of really inspiring goals according to our purpose. And we get, we're gonna, I think we'll, we're, there's a good chance we'll get there in virtue of all of them. Um, and I don't put it down to our brilliance. I really don't. I think, it's, so I, I, I think that if the, vision is, I think the vision is a manifestation of the purpose, if it's articulated well and it's meticulously communicated, which I think we have done, it's got a picture to it. It's got three dimensions, like mm. a three-dimensional plane. So I can see it. I can actually scratch it off the paper. You know what I'm saying? When I say 2018 ambition to you, I can see these measures. I mean, I can ask our board members. They've seen it. They've, they've felt it. They've debated it. It's, um, it's been the most remarkable tonic so, for us. So what do you do from – so it's 2018. The end of this year, 2018 is gone. So in line with what Rogers is kind of also putting on the table here, do you now sit with the team and say next five years or that's, exactly that's where you are? So mm. we have a session in a few weeks' time with our executive committee 
we're going to say where to from here. We've been so fixated on this thing that we kind of where to from here. And, uh, and uh, I think we've got some very good ideas. Mm. And it's not a new thing. It's just intensification of the same. You know what I'm trying to say? We're on a journey here. Um, Adrian, any other, other statement before we go broader that you describe authentic leadership? No. I think it must stay conceptual. Else it's not authentic. Mm. You know. Must stay conceptual. Otherwise. I think so. I think it's, to me, purpose and values and hopefully vision. If that architecture is, if that architecture is virtuous and real, I think the leadership will be authentic. I think if you try to find it too much, I think then by definition you start to violate its authenticity. You know, you're posing on it some kind of rule that makes me uncomfortable. You know, that's my personal bias of not wanting to set rules. You know, mm. so it must be conceptual. Okay. It's a bit like values, you know, when you, when you take values yeah. and you, we often get pressure, please write it down, codify it, explain yes. what that, when you do it, you, minima, you diminish it. Mm-hmm. You want people debating and saying, what do you mean by that? It's different yeah. to, you know, that's the authenticity, that's the, the diversity, you know, people come from different values, different life experiences. Yeah. I think it's a virtue. Okay. Wow. So that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Now, Adrian, um, just looking at outside, perhaps uh, independent of leadership, uh, just in life in general, uh, you, you've got a plenty of ex- experience behind you, and you've been a successful uh, uh, businessman, entrepreneur. What What are some of uh, the lessons that you've learned uh, that you could share with uh, an entrepreneur like myself or others that, that will be listening to this uh, across the country? In, in what context? Do you mean just life lessons? Life lessons. Listen, again, these are personal, and I, I've only lived my life, so I can't tell you if it's right or wrong. I'm a sample of one. But I think I've found I'm more successful being grounded on the real values, the importance of family, social contacts. You know what I'm trying to say to you? Mm. Now, that may be different to others. Other, other guys might do better 18 hours a day on their own, you know, living life to the full. For me, I'm pretty convinced that... The grounding of family, of the importance of, I think, the real things in life, not trying to chase money for the sake of it. You know what I'm trying to say to you? That I think is what, I think it makes you sustainably successful. You know? If I do make mistakes, I hope I don't. Um, if I do make mistakes, I'll know they're grounded in the right things in life. You know what I'm trying to say? It gives them more of a confidence. So I hope it doesn't sound patronizing. I'm trying to say quite the opposite. I kind of feel optimizing the real stuff in life gives you a foundation that that let you be successful. Uh, that's my view. I also think this may also be very, very unpopular. I don't, that work-life balance issue, I'm very skeptical of. It's kind of, it's a function of what's important to you. For me, it's been about building discovery in my family. That's, and that's all I do, you know. So, um, you know, out, you're sitting outside and watching me, you must think I'm a complete idiot who's completely obsessed and unbalanced. In my own set of priorities, it's complete balance. So, so I kind of believe you've got to, Set the work-life balance based on your priorities. That might be working 18 hours a day. That's up to you. But I think in the context of that, if you're not chasing the artificial things in life, if you can avoid that, I think you'll be more successful. That's been my experience. The more grounded I tend to be, the more effective I am. I think the more my decisions are real. You know what I mean? The more I feel secure mm. in what I'm doing. I don't have the truth will set you free, you know. A, a quick experience. Years ago, you, you, you won't remember this, I'm sure, but I remember asking you a question saying, Adrian, why don't you, you've reached a lot in, in discovery. Why don't you leave and go and, I don't know, write books or tour the world or follow other dreams or something to that effect? And, and you just kind of looked at me <laughs> in an interesting way and said, 
there's nothing that I want to do that I can't do within the discovery world. This is the world that, I, that I'm building. And that had me sitting back and thinking. I mean, it stuck with me. I've met many leaders after you, and I continue doing so. But that statement, whether it's, it's very verbatim, that stuck with me. Why? Why? So I am following my dream. I'm not going to digress from this. So that kind of goes with the, the work-life balance thing. It's about being happy, isn't it? Absolutely. And if hopefully your family and, and those around. If you're not happy doing, if, to my mind, if you're not happy doing your work, you may, have, you may not have the options to change. But if you can, you should. Why would you do it? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yes. That's interesting. My wife uh, this morning asked me a question. Um, I said, oh, I'm tired. He said, babes, are you still enjoying what you're doing? I said, of course. I, I love what I'm doing. So then get out and go do what you enjoy doing. Um, <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, though. I mean, listening to you, it takes me back to what you've said. It sounds like not only within discovery, but as as, a, as an individual uh, within the family realms, you know, purpose and value seems to be what drives you. I mean, you're talking about family and 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 ensuring that you enjoy what you're doing. So you 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 live by those values not only within the discovery world, but as an individual as well, which is quite authentic. And then that that ensures that it permeates uh, to the rest of the people that are looking at you. That you're not just saying it, um, but you're living it as well. Absolutely. I t- I t- yeah, I, absolutely. The, the, you know, the one thing, uh, I heard uh, some of you talk, it sounds a bit infantile, but it stuck with me, this issue of your resume that you've got for your job versus your resume they read out at your funeral. You know what I mean? <laughs> they need to be the same. Yeah. Most times they aren't. The stuff you're proud of right now, how much money I made, how many people I boss around, truly is not the stuff you want them saying at your funeral. You know what I'm saying to you? Yeah, if you can absolutely. keep, uh, I really believe that if you, if you can keep what really you'd like society to remember you by in your day-to-day stuff, I think you'll be very happy, very successful, I think. You know, we're doing work in Vitality now about seniors, you know, as people retire. It's amazing what keeps people happy, what keeps people healthy, social connectedness. It's those kind of things that make a difference. Mm. It's not the material stuff. It's all, it's all mm. above a certain poverty line. Obviously, if you're not eating and you, you're yeah. starving, it's a different world. But I'm saying all things being equal, if you're okay, you, know, you can put three meals down the table. It's those kind of things that make a difference. I, I think if those form the grounding in your life generally, I think you can be ridiculously ambition, ambitious and driven off that foundation. Mm. Because I think we think that stuff is mundane. It's going to slow you down. I think it's the opposite. <laughs> so, so don't, uh, the old story, don't retire where you don't know anyone. You know? Yes. <laughs> My dream to go retire there in a corner yeah. at the coast. Retire where you know people. Yeah. Well, a good friend of mine, a doctor, a very close friend of mine, tells me he talks to terminally ill patients all the time. Tell the one guy who wanted to know how long have I got to live, you know. This is a, a factual guy. It's a tough guy. He doesn't want nonsense, you know. You don't, maybe we'll, this guy had no chance. He said, honestly, you've got six months. He said, if I were you, I would take the money, I'd go travel, see the world that you want to do, that's what you should do. And we had this debate, and I thought, it's the last thing I'd want to do. Mm. I'd hate to be in Venice alone, mm. you know, dying. Yeah. I'd rather be with my family. You know, I'd rather mm. be more at home than out there kind of thing, you know. Just my own kind of… Value system, actually. Yeah. Mm. Now, I'm not saying others are different. I'm just saying at the end of the day, what matters is the grounding. You know? And I think that makes you, it's made me super ambitious, not the opposite. Brilliant. All right, those inspirational things about leadership, uh, a little bit about BLSA, but then uh, just about life success in general. Adrian, let's just, what are the challenges our country are facing at the moment, would you say? One or two or three things that, that are glaring, what would that be? 
Look, I think the I think the issues of corruption, the, sorry, the issue of inequality and poverty, and the transformational issues, those are fundamental. We have to solve them, and that goes into education and healthcare and NHI and free land, areas, land redistribution, expropriate. All those debates, and they're, they're crucial. But I think the issue of corruption has shaken us. Of just, I, I think. I mean, again, it's anecdotal, but I think a few years ago, corruption to me was you know bribing people bribing a traffic policeman at a, you know, how bad could it be? I think we've seen in this process, it can take, you can capture the country. Mm. You know, about you, I'm, I'm shaken by this thing, you know, and I'm thrilled with the new leadership and I'm, I have great faith in, in our new president and the people he's appointing and I feel really optimistic, but I kind of feel we've got a legacy that we have to, not a legacy, we have a, we've seen how dark it can get, you know, and I think we've got to think about how do you, protect our society against that kind of behavior. You know, I don't know how you feel. It, it is really scary. So I think that's a new... The other stuff is perennial. It's been here. We know about it. We have to fight it. But th- that, I think, is a, the level of... You know, you, you listen to stuff of other countries of corruption. It goes in one ear, goes the other. These things happen. When you live through it, I don't know how you see it. Mm. You can see our state can be captured. I'm worried about it. But, but um, also getting out of that now. We, we're now finding out how long it's taken, a few years, time. the hurt economic hurt that I don't know um, Absolutely. poor people hurt by, by us trying to get get away from it and we're not away from it by a long shot of course we still have a lot of in-depth work to do as a society but so you're quite shocked by that and I'm and shocked I've, by it but I, I, yeah. I mean I just want to say one thing on the other hand I'm a great believer that attitude leadership changes things overnight so the right the right messaging by the new president the right actions quickly give people confidence they invest the country thrives quickly yeah. I'm not a great believer. I hope I don't sound like an idiot. I'm not a believer in intractable problems. You know, we're coded to think about things in a negative light. We have real issues about inequality, poverty, the stuff that's going on right on our doorstep here in this fancy building. You know, within 200 meters, there's suffering and poverty. I understand that, but I'm a great believer that that attitude leadership can change perceptions quickly. I'm a believer that attitude. Fundamentals follows attitude, not attitude. You know, people like to say, well, I can't be upbeat. Look at these fundamental issues. I think mm. it's the other way around. If you get the right leadership and attitude, other stuff gets solved. It just does. Mm. So I'm, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm sounding a bit okay. contradictory. I'm making the point that I think we've got very big challenges. Corruption and its potential is one of them. But the right leadership and attitude, I think overnight it changes. Overnight. France was the sick man of Europe for how long? Macron comes in. I'm not sure how fat he really will be. Mm. But overnight... You know, that's that's the place to be. You know, it's kind of bizarre. So uh, I guess I'm the question believe is, in leadership. Yeah, I mean, the question is, and, and I sense that I, it's that thing called hope. So just small things, Soromaposa is doing, is creating that new sense of hope and energy in the country. But how deep does it go? So eventually, you have to actually change people. You have to put the right skills in places. Uh, you have to go deeper down. So maybe it's it's not necessarily lasting. But if the attitude continues and ripples out, then people find solutions. But if you keep the slope of the curve mm. positive in that hope, it solves, you know, mm. that's a sustainable, I mean, that's yeah. auto leadership. I'd rather be here with a slope like that yeah. than here with a slope the like down that. Slope, yeah. mm. The downslope feels painful to me. Eh? Mm. It's the, uh, you know, mm. feeling that things are improving, it's just, it's got a chemical effect. We, we have been on that downward yeah, for a while absolutely. now. Okay. Uh, any other challenges as a society? I mean, so that one stands out. And, and BLSA well, the, one thing I, the one thing I would say, BLSA has done well. We had a, a strategic session. This is a, with the new board. And we focus on one thing. Get away from thousands of statements. Aish is inclusive growth. I know that's often overused, but that is our challenge. 
if we can grow the society and the economy and bring people in, you know, transformation, bring people, you know, create jobs, if we can do all of that, if we can do that, that is to me the fundamental challenge. Mm. Okay, inclusive growth. So, as leaders, uh, what can we do? Small entrepreneurs of smaller businesses, but successful businesses, um, CEOs of large businesses that are not, not part of BLSA, uh, government employees, all of those leaders that will be listening to this kind of conversation. The corruption thing, yes, inclusive growth and others. What can we do? Simple things? Well, one thing just to, to say, when you say SMEs and small business, that is, I don't think people realize it, that's the only sector that creates jobs. I think people have this misconception that government creates jobs. It doesn't. We've got a problem. We've, um, the state's got too big. So if you look at the, you know, look at our budget problem, that expenditure bill of the state is so big. I'm not sure it's right or wrong, but that's a fact. But governments can't do that sustainably. And big business spends this time trying to cut jobs, you know, mm. because you can only grow the top line at CPI plus a few percentage points. So you can only get growth if you keep expenses under control. Mm. So the only sector, it's a fact, that creates jobs is SMEs and entrepreneurship. I'm not sure society appreciates yeah. how important that is, you know. So we have to find ways to foster uh, small business, um, cut red tape, make it easier to, to create small business. It is crucial. Now, I'm involved in that through the SME fund. It is hard work. It is hard work. It is, and you would know, Rogers, I mean, how hard it is to build a business. It's not simple. See, we've been saying this for the last few years, a small business uh, ministry and so on, but the actions haven't been there and the, the positive attitude towards it have not been there. Barriers have not been broken down. I don't know your experience, Rogers, but comments on that as a as a growing small business owner, entrepreneur? No, don't get me started. We don't have enough time for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is really challenging, um, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a statement felt by many others, um, and, and that's why you'd see even the president uh, in, in his address, he really spoke and focused on the fact that um, the environment, operating environment for SMMEs needs to be improved. It, ne- it needs to be better. Red tape that Adrian spoke, spoke about needs to be taken out. It needs to be made much easier for us to, to be able to operate. Um, at the moment, uh, there's too many, uh, I mean, you are about cash flow. You are about the fact that you're too small to get a job. Uh, you know, you, and you don't have enough experience uh, to get a job and yet, you know, for you to get a contract, for you to be able to get that, you need to get that uh, deal for you to be big to be big enough to get the next deal um, mm. it becomes quite a challenge cash like flow is a massive we've got to issue. teach it's, it's, we've got to, I, don't, I hate tough. that term entrepreneurship it sounds like a different tribe you know? yeah. we've <laughs> got to teach people how to build businesses absolutely you know, the problem is most policy makers big CEOs government have never, they've never built a business yeah. so they sit with platitudes from a podium they've never they've gone never to the been. bank and taken a loan and yeah. said how do I start this thing yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it is take really a loan, take a loan against your house. Live yeah, in a, live in a yeah. garage, do stuff. They, they haven't done that. Yeah, you're right. But but you know, for me, mm. and, and I'm glad. Uh, uh, like from your perspective, you indicated to me even even last time that you know you've got this SME fund. You you you're doing something. You you understand how it is to start an organization and get it to be at the world. Uh, beta, I mean, a kind of an organization that Discovery is, you know, for people like myself and others, many others that, that I at the stage where we're driving to create jobs. I mean, as an organization, uh, uh, we, we only employ about 80 people or so, but the vision and the trajectory that we have is to grow that. Uh, you know, you, you've got about 7,000 people in this whole building only. We're far from that. But for us to get to that level of Discovery, it means we're going to create 6,800 and Odd jobs. Yeah, but uh, the 80 jobs you create as a knock-on. Yeah. You don't realize the knock-on effect of this stuff. You know, 
I think I've seen the SME fund is how hard it is for anywhere in the world. It's hard to create a business that's sustainable and successful. It is bloody hard. The odds are against you. You know, that is the job creator. We can figure that out. Crucial, crucial stuff. That's where we go. All right. I mean, the role that discovery is playing in dealing with these societal challenges that we're facing. Uh, I mean, you, you're building your business. Uh, is, are you very direct? And also, how are you aligning with sort of the goals and ambitions of BLSA? Because you're very involved there. Just give us a bit of a uh, I mean, at the highest level, we've, we were party to the pledge that you spoke of earlier, Rogers, that BLSA has done. And we've signed it, in f- I think, fulfilling those, trying our best to fulfill those criteria. I think as a corporate citizen with success and growth, we're investing in the country. You know, we, we're building buildings and we, we're building a bank. So I think that is, we're investing considerable amounts of capital in the country. But I'd, I'd actually like to think that the purpose of, of making people healthier, the purpose of, of creating, um, how can I say, to a business that people see as a, as a force for good in and of itself is powerful. You know, I was quite intrigued. Bill Gates was here, I think, about a year or two ago. I went to the dinner with him. And he, gave it, he was talking about the Gates Foundation, all the stuff they're doing and eradicating malaria and whatever. Mind asked him a question from the uh, floor. He said to him, you know, tell me honestly, what do you think did more good? Your Gates Foundation that is, you know, this omnipotent or Microsoft that you built as a for-profit company. And mm-hmm. he, he said, honestly, Microsoft by a long shot. Very really interesting. He said, like, if I could do that again, I would, but I can't. You know what I mean? So I kind of feel the same thing. A, a very successful discovery doing its purpose has on a all sublimal effects on the environment. We're educating doctors. We've got about, we spend nearly a quarter of a billion rand now on some medical specialists. We've really, I think, created a, so those things are explicit issues for good. But I'd like to think our corporate presence is, you know, if you had 20 discoveries growing, mm. it could change the exactly. country. It's just not that easy. As Bill Gates said, if easy. I could do that again. Absolutely, it's not that easy. Yeah. There's luck involved, there's timing. If we could do more of that. As a country, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. And that sets me most. I heard this, this, this is kind of obvious. If you look at the economy, we've grown over the last eight years, I think 1% or whatever, thereabout. We could have grown at 4, say. That 3% real times 8, if you compound, is close to 30%. The economy would be 30% bigger. I mean, you know what that would do. You know? That's without compounding it. In yeah. Way, hey? it's, it's, uh, so I'm just saying to you, you know, sure. these are lost opportunities. So kind of I feel... It's successful business along with civil society that's doing the right stuff mm. that builds a country. But maybe we feel the pressure as big business to do more because there are so many needs in our country. So, yes, doing that, uh, you stated it better than a Jack Walsh, you know, that I've heard in, in the past. We pay our taxes, we do this and that. Typical first world country. In a country like ours, what you just, just explained is brilliant. It, it's kind of changed my perspective a little bit in terms of uh, what Bill Gates also said. But uh, I think there's just this, this, this pressure to do more and more and more, and, and, and we can't do enough. I mean, if we look at what's being put into education just from, the, 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 from our, 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 um, our budget compared to other countries, and then over and above that what corporates are doing and individuals are doing, that's, that's more phenomenal. than probably every country in the world, and yet we're all still worried about education. I guess leadership comes into the picture there as well. So... The pressure to do more. Do you feel that as discovery? Uh, we, we have to do actually, you, it is a pressure, but I think business can afford it. I mean, I hope it doesn't sound callous. You know, the, that SME fund, we raised one and a half billion rand in an evening. In the pressure cook of that time, we some said, we're going to raise a fund of one and a half billion. Can we divvy it out? The guy said, we're in. It's quite amazing. I said the other day, and I, I think our Minister of Health was a bit, I think he was a bit annoyed with me, kind of misinterpreted what I said. I said that if we could give our systems, you know, health ID and the stuff we're doing, we could make it available for free to the public sector of the NHI, we would do it. Mm-hmm. I think interpret that 
you know, they must use our systems. That wasn't the intention. But could I tell shareholders we'd be spending a lot of one year's earnings on helping government in some project, helping society? I, I guarantee you I can. Mm. I'm pretty sure we could take a huge amount of our success and donate it. Mm. I believe we could. I would do it. If we could do something for the NHR that says take all of your systems, make it available for free, we that's, would do it. That's amazing. So I'm amazed. I think it's about the leadership and the pressure. We c- I think business can do much more. Mm. I've seen it. It's You're amazing. in that positive space, though. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, so on, on on my end, Adrian. I mean, without dwelling onto the challenges or issues that SMMEs have, uh, I mean, we've been asked to to lend a hand, and it sounds like you saying you you ready. You can you can and you're giving example there. How, what, what can we do? What can we do other than focusing on the challenges or issues that we're having? What can we do as SMEs that we can, we, can, we can do to help? I as mean, well? my guy, it's, hard, it's so hard out there for small business. Just building a successful business is what you should do. I think we've got to figure out what makes you successful and get our incubators and our, our private equity funds and that to share best practice. You know what I mean? So we create, we create a much more rigorous industry of venture capital, mm-hmm. of incubators at a lower level, of private equity at a high level that figures out how to coach people through entrepreneurship. You know, it's too fragmented at the moment. That's kind of the work we're doing in the SME fund, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how do, we, how do we work out how you did well. There's endeavors and companies that I was involved in endeavor for a long time. How do we codify a lot of that stuff and make sure we can just replicate that quickly? Mm-hmm. But I think if you're sitting in a small SME business or whatever it is, I think your social responsibility is build a business. Mm. I don't think you should be treat your, your workers and employees well, do it according to a set of values. But I don't think pay your taxes. I don't think you should have an overriding. Sure. I think it's too much. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah I think it's practical. The, the, the intensity of just getting it right is so yeah. huge. So Absolutely. if you can just take 80 employees and take it to 100. You've done well. Next year, two or, and, you, and you can. You absolutely can. Wow. You know, you've grown by your employee base by what? What is that? Twenty percent plus. Uh, well, how much did Discovery do in, in the last year, for example? You know, so, so I think it's a it's good advice. That's yeah, good advice. D- d- last few minutes, Adrian. Um, what conversations aren't we having in South Africa? Do you think? Or are we know. having the right I ones? Know. I think we're having the right ones. Um, I'm actually not a great believer in at a country level deep therapy to exercise our differences. You know what I'm saying? It's d- some conversations I think may be dangerous. I think. We need to focus on what, what our common interests is, what, what, what commonalities we share, what dreams we share. That's good leadership. Mm. I think exercising our differences, and I don't think a, there's a need for this. Yeah. Mm. You know? So I'm, I'm not sure if I interpret your question or not. I'm saying to you, I think having conversations about the future of the country, setting a vision, setting a goal, setting a dream for the country, I think we need, we've got too little of that. We've got too many conversations I think we shouldn't be having. Our differences, mm. you know, we shouldn't do that stuff. I don't know if that helps. Helps at a personal level in a therapy session. <laughs> I think at a societal level, I don't think it helps. So, so yeah, I don't want to minimize what you're saying. You know, these diversity programs where we we connect with each other. Um, a lot of that is happening in our society. People say we need another Truth and Reconciliation Commission. That that didn't work years ago. Um, another a lot of people say we we need black and white to talk more so that they can get to know each other. I hear you no, that, saying that's good. Th- that's good. That's good. That's good. Sorry, I think any conversation, even in diversity, that bridges differences. Mm. Yes, mm. don't don't get into the negative of exposing us to danger that magnifies differences. Mm. Yeah, I just sorry. So I'm agreeing with all that conversation. I think they are happening. I think the style they should happen in is constructive to build bridges. 
too risky the other way. How do we multiply more authentic leaders in our society? Any, any thoughts on that? How do we get more? Yeah, we, we, we've spoken about getting more entrepreneurs to be successful, that there's an element of leadership there. We're talking about the big business leaders. You know, we've spoken about political leadership. But there's a massive leadership development industry that, that's failed in many respects uh, and maybe in some cases succeeded. How do we multiply Yes, I don't that, know. That, that hopeful leadership style that maybe Asil Ramaphosa is already bringing in? In fact, I think he makes leadership look like joy again. He goes and he walks on, on, on the pier in, in, in Cape Town. He goes for a, a He's walk. unbelievable. Uh, yes. I mean, I'm more – you have leadership at the top like that. I think that multiplies. You know what I'm trying to say to you? I'm mm. not sure. I agree you need leadership training, and that's what you guys do well. I'm not doubting that, but I'm saying if you've got a role model at the top that's Mandela-esque in his approach or her approach, that creates that authenticity. I don't know. It just comes through. It's not fashionable to be, you know, I see U.S. leadership now. I think it's the opposite. It becomes fashionable to, you know, mm. to, you know, swagger your way through things. You know, it's not good, I don't think. Edwin, we're at the end of our... Um, conversation a message to South Africa and maybe a question you have for us Any, anything you want to say on this platform that we're going to be distributing through our app and, and other other areas but a message to SA I don't know if I have a message I, I have always been positive about the country as I think you know and not out of naivety I believe that there's a there's a greater robustness than I think we've ever given credit for through all these years if you look at GDP growth it's hardly ever we know Venezuela, where you know our GDP actually is more stable in its. We're more like a stable country than even the U.S. The U.S. GDP kind of growth does that. We're pretty flat. So look, there's an there's an inherent robustness uh, in the country. I'm a great believer that if we have a positive, constructive, realistic sense of our future, we can build the most remarkable country. Get rid of the fear, you know, and kind of work together. I I got that feeling when. President Ramaphosa was giving his State of the Nation address. Things he said like, we should be the most remarkable tourist destination. And you go, of course we should. It's, it's a no-brainer. It's, it's a no-brainer. But yet we're not. Yeah. Um, so so it, it's simple. But we're too hard on ourselves, man, mm. I think. We always, what's that famous saying, you know, it's an American story, but after exhausting all other avenues, we eventually do the right thing. <laughs> Even in this thing now, the state capture, and the way people came together, of all races, different income levels, saying this is not right. You know, quite amazing. It's been good. Rogers, a quick wrap-up minute. What, what do you get from our conversation today, it's sitting it, with Adrian? No, it's absolutely inspiring. Um, you know, you, 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 you get a, a sense that uh, not only the success that is a uh, discovery or Adrian has had, uh, uh, but, you know, you can see he's a grounded man, a man with uh, a purpose and values as he, as he has shared that with, with us. And, and for me, um, I will, I've listened. I've listened carefully and I've been inspired uh, looking forward to how we can uh, probably engage with discovery uh, at a different perspective, but also how I can make uh, the little change that I can make or the little impact that I can make uh, in, in what I do as a leader, um, but, but also as a, as a businessman uh, in, in the country. So it's, it's been an inspirational uh, conversation. Thank you very much, Adrian. Appreciate Adrian, it. I look forward to this conversation. I, I think I literally sat with you years ago. And I kind of wondered, is it still the same Adrian Gornadis? You know, I, I get the same feeling. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for joining us, putting your 
time aside for this. We look forward to meeting with the other BLSA CEOs as, as part of our BLSA Authentic Leadership Conversations series. Long word, but, but we want to have those authentic leadership conversations, and it's a, it's a couple that we're going to have. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it very much. Thank Appreciate you. it. This is CliffCentral.com.